Welcome in to a new episode of the First Day Pod. Episode 38 features our very special guest, Judy and Dave Wolf. Judy and Dave are professionals in the sugar and food addiction counseling profession. Go to sugarxglobal.com and triggerfreenutrition.com to learn more and get the help you need. Your hosts, Leanne Hello and Michael Govier, are ready to dive in with Dave and Judy so we can all have a happy and healthy holiday season. Right here on the First Day Pod. We are live. Welcome in. This is our episode of the First Day Pod. My name is Michael Govier. I'm the host of the show, along with my co-host, Leanne Hello, who's in the, well, at least on my screen, you're in the lower right corner. How are you doing down there? Hey, I'm good. How are you? How's I'm, everyone? This is so I exciting. Know. Look at this. We are back with Dave Wolf, who was on about a, just about a month ago we had you on, and we said we wanted to have you on every month, so here you are, Dave. Welcome back. Hey! hey. <laughs> yeah, and you're not alone. Who's the woman oh, in the upper no. right corner? Who is that? Nobody! But the one and only Judy Wolf. Hello, Judy. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's so great to be here. It's great, great to have you aboard. I don't know if people know this, but you're Dave's mom. Is that okay to tell yeah. people? Yep. So you already told them, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but we know it's fine. It's my claim to fame is, you know, I'm David's mother. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> That's your claim to fame? I want to get my to my reputation that. precedes me, yes. <laughs> we'll see at the end of the interview if that was true. <laughs> ah, yes. Good point. Well, we are just getting going. Episode 38. It's December 8th, 2020. And you can catch us on all social media platforms if you're watching live on the live stream. Hi. Thank you for tuning in. It's on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Periscope, which you can find on our Twitter page as well. For those of you that are listening now in podcast mode, thank you so much. And remember, you can always give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We would love that. Right, Leanne? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Great. Okay, so we are here to talk about what, Dave? What do you think we'll talk about today? Me? Yeah. No. Um, I thought we'd talk about me. No, I, I imagine. <laughs> talk about you, sure. I imagine we're going to talk about some food addiction stuff, but I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I think you're on the right track. I got to tell you, last time you had you on, we had a tremendous response. There was a lot of positive feedback. We had several people come up to us and wanted to know more about your website, Trigger Free Nutrition, and of course, the uh, Sugar X Global, which is right, uh, right, right, right. What's the update on Sugar, Sugar X Global? How much closer are you guys? The to update is that we're updating. Um, no, we're we're working uh, around the clock to get this thing open. And uh, my mom can attest that we're we're getting closer, but uh, we're handling hurdles. Um, and uh, we're we're excited. We're pumped. Yeah. We're just not ready. <laughs> so we're getting there, though. There's a lot of excitement, though. That's the good news. Oh, yeah, news. absolutely. Judy. What is your experience, Judy? Because I haven't got a chance to know you as well as I know Dave, which is still not that well, but I know okay. Dave better. What is your experience with food addiction? If you could introduce yourself to the audience. All right. So um, I introduce myself always as a low bottom, high maintenance food addict, compulsive eater and more because the, that describes me. And um uh, you know, and my journey is that I've become, I've gone from food addict, which I'm happy to tell you, it's, I mean, it's a story, 
um, to now being a food addiction counselor or coach. Mm -hmm. So I have a varied journey. I am truly a low bottom high maintenance food addict. And from, from when I was very little, I used to weigh um, 288 pounds just to give my stats. Wow. And I've lost um, 131, I think now. Wow. And, um, you know, it's, I only weigh myself once a month. So, I mean, just oh. to keep, some people want to know stats that way. Mm -hmm. It's not about that to me. It's about the peace and serenity I have in my life today because I don't eat sugar, flour, grains, starches, and alcohol. So, I mean, they're just not a part of my food plan. And I have a lot of uh, peace and serenity because of it. You know, and I and I believe it's because of me that David does what he does. So, because um, he grew up with a food addict, mm -hmm. I was in recovery and out of recovery, and in recovery and out of recovery. But I've I've had solid solid abstinence for um, April thirtieth will be sixteen years, so fifteen plus years. Wow! Congratulations. Those substances. I actually I used to have soy flour and wheat germ, but for the past um, I don't know year or two, I haven't had those substances. So wow. that's my claim to fame in a very short story. But I've had ups and downs with my recovery. I haven't always been abstinent. And I tell people it took me 15 years to get 15 years. It took mm -hmm. you 30 years to get 15 years. You know, so. Oh, it took 30 years to get 15 years. What does that mean, Dave? Well, right, you've been in recovery for 30 years, but you've been abstinent for 15. Well, so, right, so, so the first 15, you were struggling. Right. Ah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right. But that is all part of the experience, right? For me, it doesn't have to be your experience. If you if you know what I, you know, if you could do what I do today and know that and believe it, you wouldn't have to have that experience. You could just, you know, detox once and not have to go through the hell that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'm, you know, it, it is, doesn't have to be that. Relapse does not have to be part of the journey. In fact, in Sugar X, we're not talking about relapse prevention. We're talking about, we're talking about recovery protection because we, it, it doesn't have to be a story. So we're swinging it into a positive light where all the books have, you know, I mean, famous authors like Terrence Gorsky. You know, um, it's it's his big thing was relapse prevention. And our big thing is truly, you know, recovery protection. Oh. OK, that's an interesting point of view. I like that. There's a little bit of variation there. I just want to commend you for saying that you don't weigh yourself daily. Leanne is I'm always on Leanne's case about this. She's obsessed <laughs> with the scale. And she's been that way since pretty much since I've known her for nine years. But. She's I've been like that. Well, Mike, wait a second. Does it Michael? Or what do you like to be called? Depends call if he's in whatever. trouble or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to say that I can remember the days when I used to weigh myself, you know, four or five times and take the lowest weight every day. You know, so I that's get not it. normal. I just want you to understand that I mean, I'm, I'm a low bottom food addict. I get it. I get it. I get it. But the number really isn't important to me today. And there have been months, you know, I mean, a few months ago, I gained three pounds. I mean, being abstinent. And I just, you know, I don't let that bother me. I don't let it rock my boat. Like you were like, ah, you know, and I had friends that were like, that, that were really pissed. I had a sponsee that was so pissed that that happened to me. And I was like, it's only a number. It's only a number. It's not, I know I'm clean. 
mm-hmm. my body, you know, and now, you know, I've dropped those three pounds and another three. So, you know, like give it up, give That's it up. Amazing. Yep. I have not, I will say, how long have we been doing this for now? Almost five weeks, right? Five so we've been doing it almost five weeks. And I just, the day that I decided to be sugar-free, I also decided to be scale-free. And I packed up my scales, plural, because they were in different rooms. And <laughs> them all you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't do the, you didn't pull an office space with a baseball bat in a field or anything? No, because I was still, it's like hanging on to your big oh, clothes. Yeah. Oh, like it's I, time to get the ball and the bat out. Let's go. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> So not, and that's actually one of the things that I'm thinking about. Like, do I weigh myself on January 1st or December 31st? Like that's, that's up to you. It's so silly, but I'm curious where I'm going to be because this is the longest I've ever gone without weighing myself. And I, everybody always says that the number doesn't matter. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't matter. But like, how else do you know? And now I'm like, this is how you know that you're not going like insane, Mm -hmm. literally insane for things. So that was my yeah. point. Yeah, that was my point. Uh, wrapping up. Your ears, right? So it's if you your ears. Yes. If you yeah. really kind of wrap your head around this for a second, the weight on your scale represents the force your body exerts back on the earth's surface. Mm-hmm. If the earth doesn't care, why should you? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. It's what pointless. It's totally ridiculous. Like it, you'd be much better served uh, paying attention to like how your pants fit or uh, That's, yes. you know, your mood, your sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. My yeah. mood is the, my mood is the big thing. And that sure, was, sure. that's where I, Judy, when, when you and Dave were on a um, interview, uh, it was a while back and you guys were talking about how the house switched, the energy switched when you, oh, would be Danica, using, yeah. yeah, when you would be using, that's what like really hit me that I was like, I've always been doing this for the weight. Meanwhile, you can diet and within one day you can be up a pound, down two pounds in a day. And there was sure. nothing that happened. So me going like that was literally, it was insanity, just constant insanity. And now I'm just looking at it like, I just, I want sanity. Like you said, the serenity is like what the, that's what it's all about. And you never see that when you're doing the numbers ever. Well, you can't see insanity when you're insane. I mean, you can't see sanity when you're insanity. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's good. It's a good reminder. I, I mean, I'd like to say that the number doesn't count totally, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that I have my highest weight. What yeah. I know what my highest weight was because I was on a liquid, quote unquote, food plan. Mm-hmm. And um, they put me against a graph on the wall. All right. And oh, wow. I and t- it took a picture of me and I knew what my weight was. Oh, Unfortunately, wow. I wish I had that picture. I had the pants. You would not believe it. You, I mean, oh, I want to see that. I have, a, I have a picture of me holding them up. Um, and, but, but I don't have the picture cause it got stolen out of my, my fanny pack got stolen. And, um, my fanny pack. that was what I, what I, you know, was the worst to me was that picture was gone cause it was irreplaceable. And the doctor, wherever you were that they took it, that wouldn't be available. No, no. Cause it was like years. It was years later. Okay. You know, years later. So it wasn't available. Okay. But, but anyway, so, you know, but I, and I have sponsees, you know, cause I, I sponsor some people in program and if the, if the number is going to bother them, I tell them, don't get on the scale this month. I, I, you know, like, I don't, I don't care. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what's important to me. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, some people rock with it and some people get upset with it. And so I think you go with the flow, you know, but once a month to me is, you know, it's just a reminder, you know, just, yeah. you know, cause sometimes, I mean, I gained, like I said, I gained three pounds. I didn't know I had gained three pounds, but I wasn't going to let that bother me because, you know, it's fictitious. It's just one day. Yes. It could yeah. be a hormonal thing, you know, or, you know, whatever. So. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. And I'll do that. Maybe it'll be a month or a quarter or whatever, just to kind of like see. And, and the other thing too, is that like, I find, (laughs) I was about to say a slippery slope again. So I always like these things just happen that you don't even realize that you're doing these like little baby, you think they're okay, but maybe they're not okay. And, you know, like having, you know, quinoa or having nuts or whatever that are Mm -hmm. healthy, but maybe they're not healthy for you. And you're just going to kind of keep gaining through the month and it's good to kind of check, but yeah, the number, it's just, it's such an interesting, interesting game. I, something to think about is um, if you're hungry two hours after you eat something, mm-hmm. you know, like you've had your meal mm-hmm. okay, and you're hungry mm-hmm. a couple hours later, then you should really think about what did you eat? This is what I think. Mm-hmm. What, what did you eat? And is it something that's triggering you? Because I can go, I mean, I eat pretty basic stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and I love it. I mean, I, I am a foodie. You know, David says that he went to culinary school because of me and my mom. Right. And I love, we all love to feed people. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, the point is, is if I'm, you know, I, I my food is simple, but I lo- I still love it today. So, you know, I, I put it this way. I would not be abstinent if I couldn't enjoy my food. Right. And there was a time when I did a program where literally I was told um, if I put spices on a chicken that I was serving my entire family. Now, I couldn't even have the skin then. I mean, that was the the program I was on. Um, I couldn't eat that chicken. And I thought, I don't think I can do this. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous because I wasn't eating the skin anyway. The spices really weren't going through onto the chicken. Mm-hmm. And is that going to, you know, save my abstinence or not? Absolutely. You know, it right. wasn't going to affect me. Right. You know, so I mean, it's what you live with. So I'm just telling you, I need to enjoy my food. You know? Yeah. The other thing to kind of think about is like being hungry and being hungry for right. are different things. Like <laughs> if let's say like I'm hungry, mm-hmm. right? Like. I would eat like chicken or green beans or a piece yeah. of salmon or some beef or, you know, but yeah. being like hungry for mm-hmm. something yeah, that's not hunger. Yes. That's a craving. I finally <laughs> understand that yeah. because now I can, I never saw it before. Never. I would be like, you know, somebody would talk about something and then I'd just be like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'll have that. Like it's I'm hungry and I'll have that because it's there now that I've been like, off of this for the five weeks or a month or whatever it's been, I can actually feel it happen in my head that it was like a second ago, you were not hungry, but now somebody just walked in the room with something in their hand and all of a sudden you're hungry and you're going to have that. No, go drink some water. So I finally understand what that means. But before I was like, no, 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 no. Like I'm just literally always hungry because I have a good metabolism. (laughs) Oh, That's what I would tell myself. Yeah. 
because yeah. athletes eat all the time. Yeah, well, I'm not an athlete, so that wasn't really a good justification. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's a it's a solid point. It was just I just ran like I run a private group on Tuesdays, and our group today was on cues and triggers. Mm. So a cue is something you see, smell, touch, feel, and mm -hmm. a trigger is like something that happens in your life, like your mom gets sick and she's in the hospital, or mm -hmm. um, your boss yells at you, or you get fired, or you know mm -hmm. some like event. Mm -hmm. And so like, how do we handle those different things? Because one is just like an interaction between you and your drug uh, or the, I, maybe it's not a direct interaction, but a thought or you see a rapper or something. And then the other thing is like life happening. Right. And like some people respond to one more than the other. Some people have both, but they're definitely very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. And what I'm liking is how you can become aware of that once you step back a little bit, like once you see it, it's just, it's so, it's so fascinating. Cause that's the other thing you hear about those cues and those triggers and all that kind of stuff. And I, I never thought I was, I never thought I had those. I just thought I was always just like, you know, just going with the flow. And if I'm right, not, right. what's there, but now I see it's a complete opposite. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, it sure is. We're talking live with Judy and Dave Wolf. They are sugar-free. They've been sugar-free for many years. Judy, more years than Dave. Dave just had his anniversary last month on the 17th, by the way. Nice job, Dave. Good three job. years, right? Thanks, guys. Yep, three years. Yeah. yeah we uh, yeah. talked about you uh, that week on the show. We are like, oh, yeah, we gave a shout-out to you because that is a Thank wonderful, you. wonderful accomplishment. And we'll, Thank you. We're thrilled that both of you guys are here to talk about sugar addiction, food addiction, and don't forget that these – these guys know what they're talking about, okay? So if you have any questions here on the live stream, you're yeah. welcome to comment, and we will engage. We'll talk about them freely. So let's go into kind of what you were talking about earlier, Judy. It reminded me of what we talked about last month. People who serve food, we're in the holiday mode. You know, people give you food. You're, I know we're going to have limited engagements due to COVID. Now, that's going to change things. Zoom holidays and yada, yada, yada. But uh, uh, let's start with you, Dave, and then we'll go to Judy. How do you deal? Can you give me like a rule book, like maybe two things to go by? Like what is the one or two key things that can help you? If somebody's in an early stages like me and Leanne, we're only in a few weeks. Right, right. The, uh, for me, number one is the expectation. To do not have the expectation that they will get it. Right. Like, so they we can't anticipate that the people that we're trying to explain our quandary to will get it, will understand. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's number one. So don't walk into the expectation that Aunt Sally is going to say, oh, that sounds like a really great idea for you to not do this because it's ruining your life. No, because they're just going to make it seem small and insignificant and OK. And so that's the first one. And you can have one. Just yeah. One. The second one is no is a full sentence. Don't don't play. Don't play these funny games like no thank you, maybe later, not right now. No. No. Wow. There's no rebuttal to no. No. That'd be good. I good. said no. I like <laughs> no. Um, the other thing is um what are you doing there if you can't say no? Like if you don't have the capacity to say no, why be in a situation where you're putting yourself in a position to fail, right? So um, in, one of, in one of the recovery models, they say like if, if you should 
go to a place where your drugs will be served, make sure you have a darn good reason to be there, right? So um, you need to make sure you have a good reason. And the third thing I would do is have an exit strategy. So let's say you're going to hang out with your boyfriend's family and you're driving there with your boyfriend. Have a separate vehicle. Mm-hmm. So you can leave if you have to. Um, because you may be so threatened that your only option is to leave. And you should make sure that you have that option available. Wow. I think those uh, are like my first three tips. What about you, Judy? Is it got to be that hardcore or is there a little more oh, leniency in there? Um, I'm pretty hardcore. <laughs> uh, you know, see, I first of all, and this is not for everyone. This is just what works for Judy. I weigh it. I weigh and measure my food, no matter where I am. You know, if I had a meal with the president, you know, I'd pull out a scale, and I actually know somebody in my program who did that because her son worked for President Obama, and she oh, wow. had dinner with him, and um, she pulled out her scale because that's what that's what I would do. And I have a little one that's I have one small enough to fit in my fanny pack. It's always with me with extra batteries to go. So I'm always taken care of, number one. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I've been caught, you know, but, but let me tell you what I do. First of all, if I'm going somewhere, um, I ask what the menu is. You know, and, I mean, even if I'm going to a restaurant, I mean, if I've talked to chefs before, it's amazing what wonderful food I can get by doing that mm-hmm. and be catered to and taken care of. But um, if I'm going to your house, I would say, you know, what are you serving? You know, and you would say, you know, so maybe you would have some things I could eat. Maybe you would have some things I couldn't eat or you had this great meal that I could eat. Right. But you know what? I always take a complete meal with me in my bag. You know, I have um, some nice purses that are big enough to hold my scale and my salad and my vegetables and my protein um, because I don't care. You know, because no one's going to take care of Judy like Judy, because I'm the one that's going to suffer if I eat that dinner or whatever the next morning. I'm going to feel like a piece of doo-doo, you know, and I'm not going to want to face the world. And also, you know, for me, premeditatedly, I have control only over the very first bite. After that, the bite could take me out anywhere. I don't know. And and the story I've shared elsewhere is that, um, and I had forgotten this for a long time because in the program I'm in, we don't talk about food, like specific food. We, we don't. We do generic stuff. And um, I can remember after losing over 100 pounds and being, um, um, you know, for a couple of years, keeping it, you know, or so. And um, I was sitting in my living room with some friends and family, and I had literally a cheese curl one cheese curl. And you know what? It took me 13 years to get my abstinence back. 13 years. I struggled. I mean, I would get some time and then I would lose it and I would get some time. I I couldn't get it. You know, it took literally 13 years. And that's when I started to get this 15 and a half years or so that I have. Well, that's the truth for me. I told you I'm low bottom, but I don't know where the bite's going to take me. And you know what? Today, Nothing is going to, I'm not going to take that bite. I mean, at least for today. I can only talk about today, you know, but that's how I plan. So I have a backup bag with me. David also gave good strategies. You know, you can have, um, 
you know, sparkling seltzer. You can look like you're drinking if you want to look like you're drinking. You walk around with a, a glass in your hand. Who cares? And quite frankly, I've learned that um, people are really thinking of themselves, not of you overall. I mean, I might think everybody's looking at me, but quite frankly, they could care less. They're concerned about themselves. And I, and I want to give you an example. I went out to a, a Chinese restaurant with a group of people after an event. And um, there was a couple sitting across from me. He's, he was a, um, a urologist and his wife. I mean, they were old, older than I was at the time. This is you know, quite a few years ago. And um, I picked out, I mean, it was Chinese food. you know. So I literally picked out and weighed out my protein and then weighed out my vegetables from the place that was served. And, um, you know, I did that. I had a scale that I had with me. And um, I saw this couple later. And I don't know what they saw me weighing and measuring or something. And I said, oh, you know, I, I do this all the time. You know, it was in a, a synagogue event or something. And I do this all the time. And and the woman said to me, no, you don't. We had dinner together the other night and you didn't weigh and measure. And I said, I certainly did. I, I said, wow. so busy talking with other people and doing things, people could care less about what you're doing. So I don't worry about what I look like. And the other strategy I use for that is, um, and I've said this before, is I'm looking down to weigh, you know, to do the right thing I need to do. And after I have my, cause I'm one of these people that I really like my whole meal on a plate. I wanna sit down, I need to enjoy what I'm eating. You know, I may eat fast, but I want to enjoy what I'm eating all together so I know I've eaten. Because because when I have that last bite, I'm very sad, no matter what. I always want more. But if I wait 10, 20 minutes, truly, the feeling goes away and I can go 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 hours. I don't suggest that. I suggest 4 to 6. But in an emergency, I've been in an emergency situation where that has happened and I have not been able to eat and I lived through it without a problem. But if I look down at my plate and I get everything ready, I don't see the people staring and looking at me. Okay. I'll give you another example. I went to a um, wedding. It was a wedding. And I had the person who was planning it and invited me knew that I did some things different with food. And she said, talk to the caterer and the caterer knew me already, you know, from, from town. And so, you know, she provided it. And the person next to me had, I don't know what kind of problem he had, celiac problem or something. And um, he said, well, could you get me such and such and such and such? And they looked at him like, I'm sorry, I, you know, we can't do that, you know, but I had taken care of myself because I made the call before. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't leave much to chance. So I don't know if those are helpful hints to people, but, I, and you know, just, you know, I have a backup bag in my car and one day I had to use it because I got stuck in a traffic jam, like for an hour or something. And I, I was hungry. And so I, at the side of the road, weighed, weighed my food. You know, I had an extra scale with me. I had food with me. I had a can opener. I had a bowl. I had a fork, you know, and um, I took care of myself. So I, I personally don't leave anything to chance because I, I can't afford to. But, but see, that's freedom. That, to some people, that's like, oh, you're so rigid, Judy. How can you do that? For me, that's freedom. And I'm in a body today that I love. 
I mean, I could pick up my grandchildren. I can sit on the floor. I could go for walks. I mean, I'd be a thousand. I, I didn't tell you that I dieted my way to that 288 pounds, by the way. I was always on a diet. So imagine where I would be if I wasn't doing what I'd be a thousand pounds of debt, period. Period. You made a couple key points there. People are never as important as they think they are. I know I'm not nearly as important as I think I am. Uh, <laughs> you know, the biggest problem in the world can be so insignificant to everyone else. And I think we're we're all guilty of it. I mean, I'll I'll speak for myself for sure. I sometimes I'll catch myself and be like, what Nobody cares about this, Mike. This is like the most inconsequential thing you're thinking about right now. And if more people can see that, see through that lens, I think that would help people tremendously. Because not everybody's going to be like me or be in the spot you're at now, Judy. We got to get to that point. But those are great. And by the way, uh, Hanukkah's on Friday, right? So happy early Hanukkah, everybody. Woohoo! Right. Woo! Happy Hanukkah. That's the, right. other, the other thing just to point out is that uh, the material we prepare is prepared by addicts four addicts. So like when, when me and, and my mom are talking, we're talking, you know, we're talking from our addicted brain to your addicted brain, if you happen to have one. So this is, we are not into moderation medicine. You know, we are not into, you know, the splurge um, and the fall off and get back. Like that's not our mission at all. So uh, we certainly do not speak to everyone. Um, but if you, if you do identify with the uh, concept of addiction, um, and that moderation is a complete failure for you. These are the people we're, we're really talking to. So I have a question then, um, because that all totally makes sense, Judy, but I was the, one of the things that I was really excited about being sugar-free is I'm sugar-free. Now I know the foods that I can eat and now I don't have to weigh, I don't have to count. I don't have to do, I can just eat as much chicken as I want. Whenever I'm hungry, I'll go in and grab a couple fillets and that's it. And then I didn't even think about counting. And so now is that something that like do the majority of addicts need to? Is that like I my next step? Very. Um, I think it. what I love is, you know, at least the Sugar X global approaches. It's very individualized. Yeah. I'm I told you I'm a person of more. See, I just grazed throughout the day. I never stopped eating. I mean, I knew about healthy eating. I knew all of that. I had been on diets all my life. And that's the and that's another point is that I was misdiagnosed. In other words, moderation for Judy is a misdi is is a, is not the right diagnosis, you know, like that's treating somebody who has an eating disorder, you know, or somebody who just doesn't really know how to eat and they learn and they're able to do that. And for me as an addict, of course, I didn't know I was an addict at the time because that wasn't something that was out there. And also, I can remember, you know, being able to say I was a compulsive overeater for myself. OK, I mean, there were times I restricted, but overall, I was a compulsive overeater. I was OK with saying that. But the, the stigma to addiction, that was like, ugh, you know, choking on that word. But then I figured out it's freedom, you know, for me. It's freedom today. And I think there's far less of stigma today than 30 years ago. I mean, I'm talking 30 years ago. I could not call myself a food addict, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, so, I, but no, you don't have to, if you're okay not weighing and measuring, that's fine. But there are some people who need to do it, like myself, because I'm a more person. 
But then there might be the anorectic person who needs to do it to make sure they get enough mm. you know, because there's the restrictive person. So for me also, it's the freedom of knowing I have enough. I'm not eating too much, but I'm getting enough. And what my meals are fulfilling for me. I mean, it gets me from one meal to the next without a problem. So for me, that's my answer. But like I told you, I'm low bottom, high maintenance. I mean, I'm, I'm really low bottom. Some people, you know, David doesn't have to measure his food, but he's a much higher bottom than, I, you know, he, it was raised for him when he figured it out. So, you know, it depends you, where you are in the spectrum because there are different stages of addiction, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, you don't have to eat the way I do. And I always tell people, keep your eyes on your own plate because all it matters is what you're eating for yourself, not what anyone else is eating because it's not the same. I used to eat, for example, sweeteners and wheat germ and soy flour. And I would make concoctions that looked like cookies or bread. I mean, I, I, I knew how to make bread out of, out of those things. Okay. Wow. Literally. And I could have a sandwich, you know, but I feel so much better today, not eating those products. And my body size has just totally changed. And I mean, I look in the mirror and I'm like, is that you, you know, because, and, and, and I had a hard time losing weight, you know, I mean, I hung around 193 pounds for years and then all of a sudden, you know, I had a doctor that said, try walking at night. I swim in the morning. Try walking at night. So I did, and I got into the 180s. And then I hurt my um, my leg, and I couldn't do it. But I still stayed there because it had revved up my metabolism enough, apparently. I mean, he had said that's what his hope was. You know, and then all of a sudden, I got into the 170s. I mean, and all of a sudden, I mean, I have to tell you, I'm only um, – eight pounds away from when I got married 40 years ago, almost 40 years ago. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, that, that's. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible for me, but it's not, understand it's not just the physical, but I used to eat what I was eating. This is the point too. I used to eat what I was eating. Like I'd eat lunch and I want to go to bed. Okay. I'd be tired, lethargic. And it was, a, I mean, it was a good lunch. I mean, I'm talking, it was an abstinent lunch for me. But I've gotten older, okay? So that that's a point of fact. And now that I've changed my plan a little bit, I still eat everything that's on my plan, but in different amounts, you know, in different in, in lesser amounts, some things and more amounts in others. And um, now when I'm tired, I need to eat. It's actually really been a switch. And then when I eat, I'm fine. I can go on and on and on. Isn't that fascinating? That's amazing. So so everybody's different and we change. It's a process. And also we age, you know, I mean, I'm the old one here, you know, I'm the eldest, but it has really changed over the years for me from when I started. I mean, I was 38 years old when I started really dealing with compulsive overeating and addiction and I'm 68 today. So there's a huge difference in my hormones, you know, and metabolic rate and all that related to hormones. Yeah. So. And you look amazing and your energy at (laughs) nine o'clock at night, it's very nice, very nice to see. And I'll say when we all congratulated you, when you said that you were almost the weight of when you got married, the thing that I keep thinking about now is that it's not so much the weight because 
in the last time that Dave was here, he was saying about how he looks at, um, you know, type two diabetes and all these things as the, um, like the symptom, is it the, the, like the symptoms of what he, like a sugar addict. And that's what ends up happening. So now when I see people, cause you can't, I would imagine, I don't know anything about this, but I would imagine that if you have that, that you're not a sugar, like you're a sugar addict, but you have that under control and you're just abstinent. I can't imagine that you would still be 250 pounds. I can't imagine how you would be able to, unless you have something very um, rare, I can't imagine you abstaining from carbs and from sugar and from all of these things that hurt us and also be 100 pounds overweight. I just, I don't see that happening. Am I wrong? Well, I'm a little confused. So basically, so like... You have to look at the the individual, and I think that the human is like the most complicated chemistry set that you could possibly mm-hmm. like even conceive of looking at. Mm-hmm. So there's so much different stuff going on, you know, mm-hmm. hormones and balances, mental illness, this and mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. so there are people that uh, do follow like a pretty strict low carb model, and they're like metabolically healthy, but they're still obese. Okay. So okay. they're not. I mean, there's some level of risk because of their size, but mm-hmm. beyond that, there's very little risk because they're metabolically healthy. Like on a biochemical level, they're pretty healthy. Okay. Um, and and uh, and we see that from time to time. I would say for the most part, um, if the drug is removed, people tend to lose weight. I mean, people are like, well, people are always coming to me like, but will I lose weight on this plan? And I'm like, well, let's see. What do we do? We cut out McDonald's. We cut out bread, we cut out French fries, we cut out cereal, we cut out rice, we cut out potatoes, uh, you cut out chips, you put out cookies. Um, yeah, yeah, you're gonna lose weight. Right. But but it's just a matter of, you know, how much. So right. So it seems like mm-hmm. when you look at the low carb model, like whether it's the keto model or the low carb model, I mean, we've essentially cut out the ma- not all of it, but we've cut out the majority of the foods that people would identify as having addictive properties. So you can still have um, you can still have these things present, you know, in your food plan or you can, I mean, we're addicts, we'll find a way to get what we want. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but, um, but you, it's a, it's a pretty decent first step in minimizing harm, I would say. Also, yeah. also, I like to say, you know, Finn is not well necessarily. No, absolutely. Right, 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 right. You know, they're showing I mean, it. Also, also <laughs> that's true. No. Uh, also, if you look at people who are overweight, doesn't mean they have diabetes and doesn't mean they have metabolic syndrome. Right. right. I mean, it's, right. you know, we're genetically all predisposed differently. Right. Okay. You know? And so it, you know, and that heavier person might be eating well. You don't, you don't know. Right. I'm, yeah, you're right. So it's very hard. But in other words, you can't look at someone and say, they're an addict or they're not a food addict. You right. Know, they're overweight. You have to assess them. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you can diagnose them. Yeah. There's That's a lot right. of things right. you can learn about them and, uh, you know, epigenetics and uh, just internal. Which is really clock. cool, by the way. Yeah. Epigenetics is, there's so much connected with what you guys do in epigenetics, which is yeah, you know, oh, yeah. how genes get expressed for those that don't know, right? It's an expression. You activate certain things in your body based on what you eat or also what your DNA is made. But also of, right? what your ancestors were. You know, right. But the concept of epigenetics is that you can actually change your change your genetic material by changing the way that you live. 
Yes. Thank you, David. That was, yeah. ex- that was well said. That is exactly the goal of that. And that's what we're talking about here on the first day pod. We're joined by Judy Wolf and Dave Wolf. I mean, this is so cool. You guys have so much information about sugar and food addiction. And you also have lived the experience. So it's not just like, hey, we're going to tell you what's what. No, they've both lived it. They live it right now in this moment. So I think, you know, they're, they're spouting off stuff that they don't know anything about. You guys are what you say. And that's why I respect you guys. Amazing. Well, we don't have a choice. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, always, wait, yeah, face it, face fun. it. The alternative to recovery sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. And I know that because I've been there. I'd be in a wheelchair. I'm, I'm telling you, I'd be a wheelchair or dead. Mm-hmm. There's no, wow. you know, I wouldn't be able to wipe my ass. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I know. She it went was, there, folks. That's, what, yeah. that's was, when I know I'm going to go. You know, weigh, weigh 288 pounds and try to lift a toddler. Or, you know, we, do, uh, we do talk about this thing, uh, memory of the pain. And so what memory of the pain is, is like the person who's suffering, creating a vignette of what, of like how bad they could possibly get, right? If they don't decide to get well. And like people do get to the point where, uh, where they have to start thinking about like, well, what am I going to do when I can't tie my own shoes? You know, uh, what am I going to do when I can't wipe my own ass? You know, as my as my mother so eloquently said. But sure. the the point is that's pain to people. That's shame. That's guilt. You know, the idea that um, the par- our partner will have to take us to our doctor's appointments and manage this and wrap our feet and do this and do that and clean our wounds and all that and all that stuff. And, and really like oftentimes addicts have no desire to get well for their own self. Right. So, but they will, but sometimes they can get started. I don't think it's enough to keep them in recovery, but they can get started by looking at like, what is the impact that this is having on other people? So we talk a lot about like collateral damage, which is like picture the suicide bomber. Right. So the, they don't just like strap a bomb on their chest. Like they fill a backpack with shrapnel. Right. So like they want to spread it as much as possible. And right. So like my actions as an addict, whether it's through drugs, alcohol or food or substance behavior, or just the decisions I make related to my disease thinking is that's going to affect people in, in a ripple. Right. So it's not just, it's not just, I'm not just hurting my mom or my wife or my kid. Like, no, I'm hurting the people I interact with at work. You know, I'm hurting my clients. Um, I'm hurting the people I'm nasty at at the grocery store. Like all these people are affected. And so we can, if we can take an honest look at that, we can get a better sense of like what position we're in and uh, hey, am I ready to do something about it? Yeah, but the thing is, something you said there, I want to kind of go into a little bit further. Go ahead. People who want to stop but can't because they're addicted. Right. Uh, I don't know if you're implying there that people want they don't want to stop necessarily, but you, there are addicts who do want to stop, but they can't. Right. Correct. OK, I just want to make sure that's clear, because I think that's really important. And that's to me is like the it's like the key to all of this is how do you connect with somebody who can't stop, even though they know it's because that's the definition of addiction. Right. It's like constantly doing things that have negative outcomes for you again and again. So how do how right, do we, so I think how do we help people in that. I think that? that the biggest tool that I have to another addict is my story. There's nothing more powerful than my story because I can bridge any perceivable gap by getting honest about my past. Like that will just level the playing field completely. I can be like, well, I did this and this and this, and uh, it made me feel like this and this and this. 
And then I did that. And then I felt this. And then it brought me here. And then they're like, oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, this, that reminds me of this or that reminds me of that. So, like, there's nothing that I can have in my arsenal more than my authentic experience on how I took the journey to get well. Um, so I think that's one thing. The other thing is um, I completely don't bother with the people who just like naysay, right? And Anna's my, my wing lady says compassion. Yeah, we, we, because we've been there, we can emulate that, like that love, that, that sincerity. And, and we know as a person in recovery that there is fire inside that person. You know, we can see it. They can't see it, but we can see it. And so being able to, I think, connect that dots and with the possibility of, of what recovery can look like. And, and they don't necessarily like, they may not register that that's a truth. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's a truth that anyone, anyone can lose the desire to use and find a new way to live. Like, I know that because um, through my recovery process, I like, we, we talk a lot about open-mindedness. Like, you'd have to have an open mind, right? But, like, the reason that I have an open mind is because I've seen freaking miracles. I mean, like, miracles. I mean, like, people with incest and abuse and violence and broken homes. And, and they're, like, they've put together, a, like, a beautiful, contented life. And so, like, my mind has been open. But the addict that comes in doesn't necessarily have an open mind. So we need to share these experiences with them and find a way to connect with them. But most importantly, being able to do that with meeting them where they're at. And then just being honest and, and authentic with where we're at and who we are and what we've been through. And I think I think that can really um, make a big difference. But ultimately, like you can say – like you can't say the – let's see. If someone's ready, you can't say the wrong thing. And if someone's not ready, you can't say the right thing. So it's just like really – it makes my job real easy because, right, I'm just like allocating blame on the other person. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. The, the point is though that if someone's ready – I can't do I can't do them wrong because they're ready. So where does that all find where does that fall what Judy was saying earlier about recovery protection versus relapse prevention? You guys aren't into the relapse, but people are going to relapse. Do you sure, say, sure, hey, sure. You you just didn't you didn't so let's, recovery is let's, that what you say? Let's let's first let's take a step back and drop some definitions so people understand. Um so relapse our definition of relapse or my mentor Bitten Johnson's definition of relapse is someone returning to substance after being off the substance for six months. Okay. Six months. Six that's months. So, yes. Yeah, so, right. So that's a big caveat, right? So we're talking about preserving recovery. We're talking about preventing the relapse after the six months. So a lot of people label them, label them as, I'm a chronic relapser. We hear this all the time, right? No, you're not. You're not a chronic relapser. You're a chronic user. There's a huge difference because if you label yourself as a chronic relapser, then you're destined to relapse, right? Because that's the story you've written. That's the story you're writing. But that's not the case because if someone like people will label themselves as chronic relapsers when in reality they're in a state of chronic detox or withdrawal. Like you talked about the person who can't stop but wants to stop but can't. They're literally in a chronic state of withdrawal. Like continued every, use, I think yeah, is yeah, continued use. Yeah, that's yeah. So they haven't stopped use. So they haven't detoxed. They haven't. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, detox is a bummer. I mean, it can be. I I was just talking to 
a sponsee sponsee, you know, because they asked if they were talking. Sure. I said, I talked to them and um, they were feeling, I mean, this woman, this was like four days into no sugar, flour, whatever, grains. And um, she was feeling like she had the flu, basically, was what she was describing to me. Dizzy, nauseated, lethargic. I mean, she has four kids, okay? And she just felt like crap, you know? And I said, you're in withdrawal. You know, like I cleared it right up for her to say, yeah. And I got a call three days later on her seventh day. I got a call, um, I think it was yesterday. She said, it's all gone. Those symptoms are all been lifted. Okay. And, um, and then also she said to me, but I'm feeling really depressed. And I said, that's probably still part of this withdrawal, you know, and also, you know, sugar can sugar and those products, you know, carbohydrates, which turn into sugar in your body can cause depression. You know, so she's worried now that the depression was underlying and she was covering it up with the sugar. And I said, it may just be the opposite. You don't know. You know, I doubt that she's a depressed person. I mean, I really doubt it. I think it's that whole, it's a big, this is a drug. I mean, that's, this is an example to show that sugar and carbs are a drug, just like opiates, cocaine, anything else, alcohol, I don't care. It's a drug, you know, it's a psychoactive drug. And that's what the rest of the universe, the quote unquote medical, you know, population doesn't want to, you know, acknowledge yet. It's a yet because I think it's coming. It's, it's going to come. It's going to come where, you know, people will be able to get the right treatment. Well, and the okay. other thing I just want to say that's really difficult for food and sugar addicts, then let's say alcoholics or drug addicts is that there are treatment places those people can go, that alcoholics and drug right. addicts can go, and they get a lot of education. And, you know, we haven't talked about that, but education, you know, David was talking about some other things, but education to me is key in people understanding that they can get abstinent and they can stay abstinent. Mm-hmm. They need to understand that this is not a moral issue. It's not about good or bad. It's about having a disconnect between the midbrain, which is the reward center, and the cortex, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex, to, you know, where we think, decide what we're going to do and what our next action is going to be. There's a total disconnect. You know, it's called the foggy brain, you know, and it's a real thing. So I think it's very important to acknowledge that people who go to any kind of treatment center at least get education where in food addiction, you go to a 12-step program or you go to some program and they're not offering education at all. Those people who are helping you, sponsors, sponsees, mentors, whatever, they've never really been educated, which is why food addiction counselors, coaches, people like, you know, David, myself, you know, our colleagues, you know, Bitten. I mean, that's the key thing is that we have education to help people. So it's not just my story that helps them. I can also help them in other ways because I'm educated and I can teach them what I know, you know, to feel better about themselves. So I don't know if that was helpful. And then lots of people come in in the the opposite side and they're addicted to the information, right? And so there's a, 
we talk about process addictions, like substance addictions, like alcoholism, drug addiction, food addiction, but then process addictions like eating, gambling, sex, right? Gaming, debt. But like this, we see a lot of people who are like obsessed with research. Like these people know more about dieting than I do. And I'm a dietitian. So it, I think that's, you know, we, yeah, we, they come in from both sides, but I think the point is that when people are in treatment, they're, they're getting some level of knowledge that they're coming in with an understanding of their disease, whereas not necessarily true in the food related 12 step programs. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. The, this is great information. We have Dave Wolf and Judy Wolf joining us, triggerfreenutrition.com. They're on the verge of launching Sugar X Global, which is also a website you can go to, sugarxglobal.com. Judy and Dave are related, but more than being blood relatives they're also related by the struggle of food sugar addiction so we i mean how is someone supposed to know how how do you how, are you gonna are you there to convince people judy or dave are you got are you there to convince hey you are a food addict and you need help or are you just more about getting people who want to come to you like a honey you know a bead of honey or something like that i don't think you can tell somebody they're a food addict you have to figure it out yourself. And there are ways that it can be, you know, you can cut through the denial. I mean, I, I have dear friends who I believe are food addicts. I mean, yo, to me, most yo-yo dieters I know who, who really have, you know, a lot of weight to lose. I mean, I lost hundreds of pounds, hundreds of times, <laughs> thousands of pounds in my lifetime, you know, so I can personally relate to that. But, um, you know, the denial is, is, you know, nobody wants to give up their nummies. I mean, there's, there's all this, so I call it the surround sound, the food that's around us. I mean, especially with the holidays now, you're going up and down the aisles. I, I'll be honest with you. I barely go up and down aisles. I go to get my vegetables. I go to get my meat. But now they're popping all that garbage in those aisles yeah too. don't go to trader joe's because yeah, i mean oh, they have man. stuff over the frozen vegetable you know I mean, chocolate and broccoli yeah. healthy food but it's, it's crazy. tons of garbage at trader joe's you're so right about that I'm glad you, you know you're... so um you know it's brilliant marketing i mean it is brilliant marketing it is. you know but um i lost my train of thought you were asking about well it sounded, it sounded like you were bridging into the sugar tool Oh yeah, I was. I actually was. Where you? You're right, David. Thank you. So, um, but there is, there are ways that you can. Thank you, David. If you want to talk about it, you can. But no, go ahead. There are ways that you can actually. Um, there's a tool called the Sugar Tool. That's an assessment where you can actually see a graph where you first had your predilection to sugar or carbs or whatever, so to speak. And it's usually really around the age of five, you know, and that might be because that's when you really remember things, you know, it could have been even earlier because I'm sure you've probably seen the picture of the baby that gets the first lick of an ice cream and then grabbed for it, you know, so you know where that person's going, you know. Um, but with the sugar tool, it's usually around five, you know, sugar is the gateway drug. And um, it's so interesting because you can map out some people, they'll stop, you know, eating when they picked up drugs or when they picked well, up alcohol. Like you, it's me, all yeah. the I want to say one thing, Judy, then about this. Mm -hmm. If sugar is, as you says, it is, it's, it's a drug and it's a danger, essentially. Right. Fair to say. 
Yeah, it's a psychoactive drug. But so should we not be giving kids this stuff at all? Isn't it just as cruel? I mean, you wouldn't give a kid a joint. Now, I don't think that's extreme. I think you should so, not. You are a parent. You have a choice in this life, I suppose. But if sugar is that dangerous, I think we really should be considering but, mistakes as parents. Right. But if you are a person in denial and those are your nummies, why wouldn't you feed your kid, you know, for a treat, ice cream? You know, everybody's doing it. I'm just saying, you, you know, so I don't bring, I mean, I bring my grandchildren Brussels sprouts and broccoli. Well, I mean, you know, because I'm feeding them lunch and they want what I want, what I have. So because I weigh and measure, I can't give them mine. So I bring extra with me. I haven't brought any kind of sweet to my grandchildren. And, you know, it's it's like the Jewish holidays. What is that? What is that? you know, revolve around a lot of food, a lot of food. Challah, a lot of challah. Well, you know, and um, and I do bake, I do bake challah, but I don't eat it. I've never eaten David's bread. He's an artisan bread baker. I had never eaten a piece of his bread. Okay. Because, well, I was abstinent. I, I didn't eat that kind of stuff. Oh, but that's cool. I didn't know that about David. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't bake anymore, yeah. but. Oh. <laughs> but because you can't be around it, right, Dave? Because yeah. you're an addict, and you have to yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yourself yeah, I, it's just no. I mean, I just feel like but, why would but, I give someone the gift of harm by giving them? That's, that's where I go with that too. It's like, what do I do with baking with my grandchildren? To do, I'm going to have to find other things because I don't want to give them that stuff that I know. Look at they obviously have a predisposition to this. Being that, you know, my daughter is a food addict. David's a food addict. I'm a food addict. My husband is not, I don't believe, a food addict. If he is, it's, you know, he's very high, you know, high level. He's high the level. only man I know that can eat like one chip and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? You know. I don't know. But I want to tell you, he does eat like I do because of health reasons. And it's made a huge difference. Made a huge difference. He had high blood pressure. He's off of three high blood pressure medications because he went low carb. Wow. You know, so, so I'm just telling you, know, I'm telling you, there are other reasons that one might want to do it. And he's willing to do it because he said, I don't want to take the drugs. Hmm. I mean, it's up to him. I don't force him. But on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, I make little rolls. And we have one we call the petrified roll because we have to put two rolls out because that's the custom. And so I put out two little rolls he eats one and we put the petrified one back in the freezer it was it was real but i mean it's it comes out every week <laughs> and he doesn't eat that one you know really oh that's new yeah so you know and he has wine I and mean, he'll have a you know he has a little bit of wine but that's his choice you know i can't do that because i'm a food addict i don't know where that would take me okay uh wait a minute i just had a revelation so is this your wife dave or kelly Kelly is my wife. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shit. I did. All right. Hi, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> Kelly's been posting. I I saw the Wolf last name, and you know what? I actually thought of. I went to high school with a girl named Kelly Wolf. So I started thinking, is that Kelly Wolf? Right? <laughs> but then I'm talking to the Wolves right here, so that would make no sense. <laughs> Anyways, far Kelly out. Says, yeah. <laughs> Kelly says she was a huge cupcake baker when David and her met, but had to stop. Because it just wasn't worth it to the family or giving it to others. So and I she made beautiful cupcakes. I never ate one of those either, but she really, she was called the cupcake girl. Yeah. yeah it was I was really, bread boy. 
<laughs> it all started with cupcakes and bread. Oh man, carbs through and through, baby. Let me tell you. Okay. I remember going. I remember going to my friend's house as a kid, and his mom made this made this uh, observation. She's like, David, have you ever noticed that everything you eat is beige? And I was like, huh, that's funny. And uh, it didn't phase me, you know, just what I like. But, but I, uh, didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know then. You right, know? right. None of yeah. us do. Right. That's so, what denial is, too. I mean, and part of it is lack of knowledge, but part of it is, I think part of it is, part of it is obvious to the user, but part of it, it's the subliminal denial, which is so hard to crack at. I think you really need help with. And that's where the group mentality works. That's where the sugar tool my mom was talking about is like blows denial out of the water. It's just night and day. It's just, you can see it on paper and it's like, holy crap. So I think that, and I think that's the main adversary to recovery is denial. Oh yeah. I'll be okay. I'm not bad enough. Oh, I'll, I'll change later. Oh, but mom, this mom, that, and, and just lies. Yeah, but everybody's readily to admit their shortcomings. Not everybody's ready to go like, hey, here's what I see as a fault or as lacking. In right, right. I think well, that's true, too. Yeah. You know, I just want to say that the tool, I just want to go back for just a second to, to finish up on that, is that it is available and you have to be licensed and certified to do it. You know, it's not, you know, it's not like anybody, Joe Schmo off the street can do it. You know, um, David and I are both, you know, certified and licensed to to do there's the only thing. five people in the states that are certified yeah they and are. they're all in sugar act global nice corner yeah, of the market certified, what exactly by the way certified as licensed to use the sugar tool to the tool to be able to administer the tool you have to take a course and get recertified and pay fees and whatever and it's actually um like a three a three-step process that that oh. we we do you know in the states so it's a you know filling out an assessment form that's quite lengthy and long and then you know the counselor or coach would look at it and then we meet again online to perform the tool that takes about an hour and 15 minutes hour hour and 15 minutes depends who you are and then it takes time for us to write the assessment up based on that you know and then we meet again with somebody for depending upon who you are, a half hour to an hour. So it it's, you know, it takes time. It's not, it's, it's pricey in the sense of it costs money, you know, but you can understand why, because it, it takes a professional to do it. So. And who created this originally then? Was it you guys? Bitten Johnson. No, Bitten Johnson in Sweden. Right, right, in Sweden, yeah. Her baby and. Um, Borea doll, right? She, Right. And she, you know, it's based on something called Addis, which is on, that's a, that's the same tool for alcohol, but she developed one for sugar and food. Is that Addis as an acronym? How do you say that? A-D-D-I-S-S, I think. A-D-D-I-S-S. I don't know what it stands for. It's probably alcohol and drugs, something, 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 something. Okay. We, we have a couple of questions here. So I want to. Yeah, go ahead. These. Uh, Let's do it. Like, uh, Steve says he wants help with his weight. Where? Question mark. Where does he start? Where does Steve go? What's the first thing Steve should do here? Go ahead, Judy. You don't want to talk? <laughs> Steve, Steve is actually, um, he put that in there because I think to tell people, I know him and I don't oh. know how much his weight has he lost, David? 
Oh my God. I you so. guys, you gotta see this guy's pre and post photo. I mean, it is insane. I mean, really? he's, he was probably, I would say in the mid fours. Yeah. And now he's in the, probably now he's like in the mid ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is his face right there. So yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. Steve's awesome. He's yeah. a power example. Okay. Well, that's there great. Congratulations. He doesn't eat sugar flour. He doesn't eat sugar and grains and alcohol. So he's a, he's a, he's like one of those walking miracle, open-minded kind of guys, you know, like you meet Steve and your mind will be blown. Steve's okay. a great guy. Beautiful, Steve. That's wonderful. Hey, Judy, my mom, Michelle Katz, asks, how long has Judy been a health coach? How long have I been a health coach? Um, I got trained in um, in Iceland with Esther Helga in, um, you know, for, and I do exclusively food addiction. That's what I'm, you know, I like. And it's about three and a half years ago. David and I were in the exact same class together with um, another woman, Cynthia I don't know if Cynthia's on, but Cynthia Myers Morrison, who's one of our colleagues in SugarX Global. And we went and traveled to Iceland together and studied. That has to be longer than three and a half years because that was the first um, time that I was introduced to the fact that I was an addict and I haven't been clean that long. So it, because that was when I was working in Boston. So it's probably closer to five years. You think so? Yeah. Well, that means I've been off of sweeteners for that long because I stopped sweeteners right after that. Right yeah, after probably. That. Oh, well. Because my clean date is 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 only three years ago, and I, that was far – that was way after Iceland. Was it? Okay. Well, yeah, because that was right after I lost my job. We're certified counselors through the European – About five hours – five years, I would say. Okay, well. Trip down memory lane, Judy. Oh, that's, I guess I'll have to really check that out. So for my figures, that means I've been off sweeteners for much. Yeah, it was in 2015, wasn't it? That's five years. Okay, you're right. It is. I didn't realize it was that long. When I'm right, I'm right. You know, <laughs> doesn't happen often. Celebrate. <laughs> know, is, uh, is stevia a trigger for all or just some? Oh, that's a loaded depend, question. Right? Yeah, I mean, case by case basis. So I always tell people this, and they don't like to hear it, which is why I tell it to them. Um, I say sugar is heroin and sweeteners are methadone, you know, so some uh, heroin addicts need methadone to get off of heroin and that's okay. I don't have a problem with that, but you need to really have this like rigorous honesty and really take a look because that sweetener could lead you back to sugar or flour, whatever your primary drug is. So I think that there are people that can use sweeteners with it. What I like to use the word impunity, you know, without, without consequence. Um, I can't think methadone could lead back to opioid addiction too. I suppose. Again, I mean, people deal methadone. So I, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, an expert in drug addiction. It's just my, it's just a metaphor. What's that? Yeah. But also improves their life. Uh, So if anything makes your life better than it was, that's a positive, but if we're looking long-term, right? Yeah. So I think that we have to remove like we, let's see, how's it go? We need to, um, we need to remove what we can't moderate and we need to replace what we're unwilling to remove. So like if I'm addicted to candy and I can't get rid of it, then it would be suitable to find something similar to it as a bridge to help me to the point of getting rid of it. And then I can assess where it is. That's kind of like, it's not really the best example, but um, let's say there's someone that can't, can't live 
without ice cream. Like they can't get through detox without ice cream. Like they've tried and failed a thousand times. So maybe in the beginning, they'll try using like an ice cream replacement, which is sweetened with a sweetener. And then we can deal with that later if we have to. But most people that find people like me and my mom, they're, they're already pre- most of the ones that at least I work with, they're pretty convinced, you know, they're, we're not, we don't have to convince them of anything. Like they're doing the map. They're like, check, 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 check. Yep. That's me. Um, so they, um, they probably, they would have a better idea of, um, right. You know, Anna says a bridge, a way of life. Like it's, it's a temporary thing to help us get from point A to point B. We want to stay living in point C, but we can live in point B for a little while until we're ready to go to C. So so I'm, I'm an example of that where I use sweeteners up till I, now it's five, almost five years, I guess. I didn't realize. Okay. And I had read a book and I don't remember what it was. It was a woman that was in the same class I was in from Australia. Oh, Sugar Dreams or something. Sugar Dreams, something By like Monica that. C. I'll and, find it. Yeah, I could not remember. Anyway, and um, it happened to be my, the, no, it's not, it was, David's not right. And let me tell you why. <laughs> no, because it was my 65th birthday when we were in Iceland. And she gave me a copy of that book as a gift. Okay. And my birthday's in May. And so I read her book when I got back. And that's when I, and I'm 68 today. I know those dates. So I don't think David's right. No. I don't know. It doesn't make sense on my timeline. All right. Well, anyway, on my timeline, it does. It doesn't well, matter. We're not going to fight about it. It's not important. But no, you know what does matter? Is that you guys it, was, it was helpful to me because I made, I told you, I made all those things and concocted with today. I don't touch any of that stuff anymore. And I'm okay. And I'm actually happier. And my, I really have contented abstinence today. I, you know, it sounds to some people crazy, but I really do. Like I'm not craving anything. I'm not wanting anything. I still want more when I finish my last bite. I don't think that will ever go away. And that's part of my my addiction. I talked to um, Vera Tarman about that once, you know, who wrote Food Junkies, Dr. Tarman. And she said she thinks it's, you know, my, my system, my dopamine, my reward center got triggered with Woo, more, you know? And this is a process addiction. So, I mean, that's the thing with food you have to remember. It's not only a substance addiction, it's a process addiction because eating is a process, you know, so there's two components to it. So that's why it's so hard. And plus, remember, you don't have to drink alcohol. You don't have to drug. You don't have to slip and slide in a bar, you know, all day. But you do have to slip and slide in the kitchen and you do need to eat. So you can't get away from food no matter what. You just have to get away from your trigger foods and your drug foods, you know, but easier said than done. So this is a really tough addiction to crack. You know, it is, it is tough, you know, and, um, but it can be done. I, I'm living proof of that. Yay! And, uh, and uh, Michelle wants to know, what is the name of the book that you were just uh, mentioning? The one about sugar. Yeah. Oh, I think that was called sugar dreams, right? I think so. I, I'll look it I up real quick. Try to find it, or we'll send it to you, and you can pass it on to whomever. Okay. You know, yeah. whomever, which is fine. But um, I mean, the other thing to yeah, add sugar dreams, waking up to a bitter, re- waking up to the bitter reality. 
Okay. Um, dreams. Waking up to the bitter reality. That's the book. The other thing, I don't think it's being published now, but I'm not sure. But the other thing is that um, when you talk about stevia, you know, you can grow your own stevia. They're green leaves. Now, isn't it amazing? It comes to us white, you know, and I always think that anything's, you know, I'm looking at what's behind you, Michael, but anything processed down to white stuff, you know, what? This stuff's the worst, I tell yeah. you. Yeah, well, I'm just saying anything that's processed to, you know, like you can eat cocoa leaves and they'll be, you'll be fine, but cocaine's a whole nother story, you know, what's white, right? So anything I think of that gets processed down to white is really questionable to me. I think our bodies um, don't know what to do with it because it's not a real food. It's really not, a, it's been so ultra processed that our bodies actually don't know what to do with it. Not like they know what to do with, you know, a green bean or a piece of meat or something. So that's a great point. Leanne, what do you think of that? Yeah, I agree with that. Where my head's going is what is the, so when you say that relapse is when you go back to your drug after six months of not being with that drug, and I just said that we were like, we've been doing this for a month or five weeks or whatever. What is the definition of like, um, because I have been like, no sugar, no sugar, but there's been like a few things that I've had that have had like in a serving, it has like one gram of sugar. So now that's sugar. So then I broke it that day. And then I've also been having things. This is where my head was. And I listened to the last episode of the podcast last night just to see where we were. And then I realized your whole explanation about how carbohydrates are just like sugar that's like holding each other's hands so that it's like, it's all the same thing. Well, I've been like finding things that are zero sugar, but they have carbs in them. So I'm like, no, but zero sugar. So I've been eating. Right. So, I mean, you got to start somewhere. I think that's the first thing. So you, you got to be taking steps one. forward. And then that I, I didn't say that. No, I'm, I'm just asking for that, like that six months. Cause for me, I know I am light years from where I was five weeks ago. Like, right, right, right. And, and that's I'm the so point, right? Yes. And that, absolutely. Yes. And, and we're proud of you too. Oh, and uh, I think that's really important. Right. And we can collectively um, embrace others recovery. Right. But I think when, when I talk about sugar, I'm talking about sugar that's added. There okay. are certain people that are also addicted to things like fruit and things like that. But um, specifically, I mean, refined sugar. Okay. Right. So um, like a pepper, a, a red pepper will have probably one or two grams of sugar in it. Do you know what I mean? So it's right. just like something to kind of put into perspective. The mm -hmm. other thing is really don't want people reading the front of the package because that's all baloney. They can put whatever they want, you know, and yeah, and this is progress, not perfection, right? So we have to make right. steps forward. So otherwise, um, we start to have this like very addicted mindset, which is like black and white thinking, which is like, oh, well, I had one gram of sugar. I might as well have a Milky Way. Um, yeah. Which is like not where we want you to go at all. It is, that's where I was all dieting. It was always you make that one mistake. Then it's right, just right. like free yeah, I call it. I call it the efforts, right? So. Yeah. And you're like, well, <laughs> at, at this point, I might as well just destroy myself, yes. you know? So, yeah, and I think it's really tomorrow. important to be around. Right. And the problem with the problem about tomorrow is it never comes. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
Yeah. So I definitely hear you. And, and that's why I think it's helpful to work with people that understand because they can kind of break through because these are lies that we tell ourselves, right? So, you know, the Dr. Seuss wrote the book, Oh, oh the Places We Will Go. Mm -hmm. I'm going to rewrite that for Addis. It's going to be called, uh, oh, the lies we tell ourselves. Because mm -hmm. like, what we do is uh, we lie to ourselves all day long and we make everything seem like, it's almost like it's a disease manifesting in our mind, enabling us to manipulate it to get what we want, which is a drug. So you have to be able like, what I call rigorously honest. Like you have to be able to like, kind of like tell the truth to yourself um, so that you can, you know, learn the truth about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of these are tenets, not just of your program, but of a lot of self-help and support groups, you know, progress, not perfection. Uh, sure, sure, not sure. Yeah. Something you'll find in uh, AA and NA and places like that. So those are these are great. Yeah, tools. sure. I mean, these are slogans. And, and the reasons why the slogans work is because they they help us get out of our frontal brain where we manufacture all our problems and right. they can get tap into that, the other part of the brain where our addiction is in the emotional brain. And so like, cause us using like you using a drug is a survival mechanism. Right. And so we need, we need this info to be able to penetrate so that the slogan becomes a survival mechanism. Like the mechanism of like, one thing at a time, Dave, one thing at a time, Dave, if I tell myself that enough times, mm -hmm. I'll do it. So I think that's really true. Mm -hmm. We have to rewire our brains. We really yeah. have. Yeah. Had, and that takes time. I definitely. Like I years. Definitely rewired my brain to be. And, and by the way, you know, we talk about the six months for relapse prevention or protection, however, recovery protection. But and, and actually, when we deal with clients, we start that recovery protection immediately. Immediately, you know, like that that's Steve. That's Holy Steve. Cow. Wow. If you can see this on the live stream, it's a it's a large man. And now he's in the hundreds. That's this is yeah. it's mind blowing. You have to see it too. I think that's like like in like one sixty five, one yeah. Around. Yeah, he's not that much bigger than me at this point. Yeah. Congratulations, Steve. That's tremendous work. I mean, we're a, I can't even put enough superlatives on it, man. It speaks for itself. Wow. I'm sorry, Judy. Go ahead. Um, I don't, I was, I was talking about rewiring, I think. I was going to say is, you know, it actually takes about two years to have the total foggy brain lifted of that rewiring to take place. It, it actually, it's a very slow process. It doesn't happen right away, okay. you know, and um, I'll tell you, honestly, when something's bothering me, you know, like, like, if you told me you didn't like me or you did something to slight me or, you know, I'm a sensitive person, I'm an addict, you know, I, things got, you know, are hyper. I feel it in my gut. My gut goes, <laughs> I mean, that's where I feel it because that's what I used to feel, you know, for comfort food. I'm sure, you know, I used it, you know, I mean, I liked it too, but it, it, you know, it was what, probably protected me all my life from stuff that happened, you know, I don't, you know, because I'm a very, very sensitive person. And I don't think and and most addicts, I know, not only are they sensitive, they're very bright. I mean, we were we're we would be the fittest for survival, because that's the whole reward system was set up for us to survive, we would be the hunters going out there, we wouldn't be the ones eaten by the lion or the tiger, uh, you know, whatever. 
we'd be the ones that knew, you know, we, we would be the smart people. You know, we have magical brains. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being an addict. You know, it's not, you're not stupid. You know, like we're really special. I'll tell you how smart we are. I lost weight on Weight Watchers, did all the points and had chocolate for breakfast, lunch and dinner because I stayed within my points. (laughs) So that's what we do. It's you find that drug any way you can get it. But I was succeeding. Right. And these are programs that offer a lifetime membership people. Mm-hmm. And it was, the, and it was their, it was their suggestion that you could get these little sure, sure. dongs. Oh yeah. And that's one point. And I could get like 20 and, points in a day. And, and the person I was talking about before, I have a dear friend who I believe is a food addict in total denial, you know, goes to Weight Watches and she's lost a lot of weight, but you know, it's like, how long will that last? I mean, it's easy to stop but it's very hard to stay strong. You know, right. I mean, yes. so I, I'm living proof of that. I mean, I know I did Weight Watches. I did Weight Watches when I was 12 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Someone in Worcester where I live said, no, you didn't. It wasn't here. And I said, well, I lived in Boston and it was there. And she was like, oh, you know, like I wasn't lying. I know, you know, I was, I was in, I think, seventh grade when I, started that kind of formal diet. I had been on diets before, but, you know, a paid formal diet. I mean, I was like the youngest person there. I mean, I, you know, I have a long history of all doing all sorts of types of things. So it's very important to you as well. You've lived it. I mean, 12 years old to 68 years old guys that speaks for itself right here. The (laughs) proof is in the pudding, the sugar-free pudding, of course. So boom. All right. Uh, boy, I think, uh, that about does it. The first day pod is coming to a close. It's been so much fun talking with the wolves or the wolves. How would you guys say it? You're well, not wolves, so wolves. got a howl to find your pack. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, by the way, oh, one thing too. You were saying uh smart people, a lot of smart addicts out there, but you also can't outsmart addiction. Just one thing to to kind of tie a bow on that as well. But there are a I lot like of, it. A yeah, a lot of people you know, have nice bows. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I love both. It's a uh, holiday season. It's a holiday season, right? It is. It is. Uh, Tis the season. Leanne loves Christmas. It's her favorite time of year, so she's very happy right now. But she's not going to eat any sugary treats, and that's no. going to be the difference from one all day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. That's all it is. It's just another day. I don't and know. Remember, what... Christmas is just Friday this year. Yes. I was going to say it's just another Thanksgiving's just another Thursday. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And by the way, we want to wish you, Dave. Dave, you're on the brink of a extreme event. You and Kelly. And that's Kelly. right. Yeah. Yeah. Any day. We're just any waiting. I mean, right. wow. Is this going to be your first child? Second. Second. Oh, okay. Second. Okay. Yeah. So it's not as exciting. So, well, wow. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's more exciting. I'm the second child. So, congratulations. Oh, right. well, congratulations. Okay. No, you Kelly. Right. I hope everything goes great, Dave. Um, tell everybody. Bottom line, if there's anybody who's new here, it seems like you have a lot of followers already. But for those that will listen to this later in podcast form, where could people go to kind of get started if they're really struggling with sugar? Sure, yeah. We are, we have a waiting list for sugarxglobal.com, which is live. You can sign up there, um, which is awesome. And uh, like I said, we're not open yet, but we're really we're gearing up towards that. Uh, my website is called triggerfreenutrition.com. And um Basically, what I'm doing right now is, um, if you have any questions, set up a 15 minute call, and we'll we'll have a chat and see um see if I can help you. 
And if I can, I'll send you somewhere where I think they can. So. And if you prefer a woman like me, older, wiser, anyway. Um, Just older. You can reach me. I don't have a website, but at my email address, which is Judy Wolf, F-A, Food Addiction, stands for F-A, Coach, at gmail.com. Okay. And, you know, that's... Wow, that's so interesting. You guys are such a great combo. What you guys do, we respect the heck out of it. I, I'm not going to mention his name, but a friend of ours, we both know, Leanne and I, a uh, close friend, he's been struggling with some issues with the, uh, you know, like bowel issues, and they're really affecting his life in a great way. And I I begged him almost to, hey, go check out Dave's, you know, Eve, you could DM Dave, tell him you know us, just try something, you know, I'm trying to sure, get him sure. to change his ways. And uh, I just want you to know that. You guys are on our minds a lot. We try to push mm-hmm. what you guys are doing because we believe well, in you, it. And that's why you I, should push him to do one of David's 15-minute discovery calls. It's I free. did. It's I free. Tried. I know. I know. Okay. I just, but you know, that's denied. That's like the I said, you can't say the right thing to someone who's not ready. And, you you know, that's it. You just can't say the right thing to yeah. someone that's not ready. It's just it's, yeah. it's going to be taken offensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all ties in. This You're guy, still- yeah, he, yeah, you never know. People just have these little idiosyncrasies that you can't always pin down. That's okay, though. I mean, you just plant, like, I'm not, a, I'm not in the tree growing business. I'm in the seed planting business, you know? <laughs> you know, I leave the universe to water it and sun it up and all that, you know? I just drop seeds everywhere I go and hope for the nice. best. It's amazing. And it's a, it is a long process, but then it can just be turned around because the episode before you came on, I was against all of this. The yeah, episode then, it like within a week of just listening and doing the research before the podcast, because I wanted to make sure I was like educated on who you were. I honestly thought I was going to be ar- not arguing, but debating with you the whole time. And now I'm a believer. Now I'm I'm an, in abstinence. Now I'm doing all of the things. So you just don't know when that one thing will be turn the light on. Are you, You're still doing the Thursday night. The Thursday, the Thursday group o'clock. Is, is on. Yes, absolutely. So that one, um, they do, it's a Zoom call. It's so amazing. You can share if you want. You don't have to. So if you want to come in, you don't even have to be on your video. It can be clear. And you can just listen. And I would highly recommend if this is, if it's tapping into you at all on any level, go to one of those because then you can hear everybody else's story. And it might take you one session, like one session, and it's free. It might take you one session or it might take you a couple. And then you're going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to think about this a little bit. So those are really good, too. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think it all started because of COVID. And that was just like one of the gifts of COVID was starting that group. And and uh, I lost my job, not lost my job, but like they I traveled to a conference and I came back and they're like, you can't work for three weeks. So I was like, OK, I'm going to start this group. And so we, mm-hmm. we met every day for two weeks and really helped people in the beginning. And now we meet every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you DM me at Trigger Free RD, if you're on Twitter, or Trigger Free Nutrition is my Facebook page. If you send me, I'll get you connected to that and get you connected to my newsletter. And just mm-hmm. trying to keep people inspired and moving forward and making progress. And uh, that's it. I mean, we can't do this alone. And don't quit five minutes before the miracle, man. That's it. And I just want to mention one other place you can go, which is free, is foodaddictioninstitute.org is uh, it's a .org 
and there's lots of information about David's on the board. I'm chair of committee um, just to get the word out that food addiction is real because it really is a real thing, even though it's not in the DSM or the ICD-10 yet. It's not recognized by many doctors. They think I'm nuts, you know, um, but, you know, I it, it will be someday. I hope in my lifetime. I really do for for everybody because our kids are getting sicker and sicker because you mentioned kids, Mike, but you know, fatty liver disease in five-year-olds. I mean, it's pretty sad now. It's very, very metabolic syndrome. It's very, very sad. And um, this is this this is the first generation now that will not outlive their parents because of all of the sugar that and all the processed food that we're being fed. It's very scary, very sad. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up before. And I just want to end with, you know, foodaddictioninstitute.org. If you want to just get some general information. And um, great. Absolutely. We will definitely do that. And by the way, Melissa Launder here is a doctor and she thinks you're brilliant, not nuts. So there oh, you I go. think we're both. <laughs> a little bit of nutty and a little bit of brilliance. It always goes I like along it. Yeah. All right, so Judy Wolf, Dave Wolf, thank you for joining us. We're the First Day Pod. You can follow us on all these standard, uh, <clears throat> what are they called? Oh, boy. Social media. Social media. Fucking <laughs> too much, excuse me. You can catch us every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll have the Wolf's on again. You guys, you know, we, we make it a monthly thing. We did it two months in a row. Let's keep it going. I Let's love talking it. to you guys about this stuff, Judy. Yeah, because Leanne, you never asked me any of the questions you thought you were asking. I know. I have I have a whole list here of questions that I wanted to ask. And right. oh, this is so good. Thank so you we'll save so it for much. Yeah. Yes. Thank That's you awesome. so much. My pleasure. Happy holiday. Thanks right, for guys. Live stream. Yeah, Happy thank Christmas. you. Happy Christmas. Take care. Happy Kwanzaa to everybody. Oh, yeah, that's right. Bye. Bye.